And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, <clears throat> today is... My system just shut down. That's not good. Today is January the 20th. And it's the 20th day of this new year. And it is uh, unbelievable. Let's try it one more time. Everything worked beautifully until I started talking. And okay. As I say, it's the January 20th, the 20th day of the new year. 245 days remain to the end of the year. In 250, Pope Fabian is martyred during the Decian uh, persecution. The uh, 649, King uh, Chindasuit, at the urging of Bishop Brogio of Zaragoza, crowns his son Rexwent as a co-ruler of the Visigoth kingdom. The uh, 1265, the first English parliament to include not only lords, but also representatives of major towns, holds its first meeting at the Palace of Westminster. Uh, locations now commonly known as the Houses of Parliament. The uh, 1320, Duke uh, Ladislaw Loklatek becomes King of Poland. 1356, Edward Balliol surrenders his claim to the Scottish throne to Edward III in exchange for an English pension. I'm descended from Edward IV. I don't get a pension. The uh, 1576, the Mexican city of Leon is founded by order of the Viceroy, Don Martin Enriquez de Almanza. 1649, the High Court of Justice for the trial of Charles I began its proceedings. That's when kings found out they were not all-powerful and they were not above the law. The uh, 1788, the third and main part of the First Fleet, arrives at Botany Bay, beginning the British colonization of Australia. Uh, Arthur Phillip decides that uh, Port Jackson is a more suitable location for a colony. Uh, that uh, the first fleet, as it's called, uh, was uh, used to transport uh, criminals from Britain to uh, Australia. Let's see. 1887, the U.S. Senate allows the Navy to lease Pearl Harbor as a naval base. The uh, 1936... King George V of the UK dies. His ed eldest son succeeds to the throne, Edward VIII. The title of Prince of Wales is in use for another 22 years. The uh, 1937 FDR and John Nance Garner sworn in for their second terms as president and vice president. First time a presidential inauguration takes place January 20th since the 20th Amendment changed the dates of presidential terms. 1941, a German officer is killed in Bucharest, Romania, sparking a rebellion and pogrom by the Iron Guard, which was the Romanian version of the Nazi party. Killed 125 Jews and 30 soldiers. The uh, lot of... Uh, um, Truman signed an order that no um, members of the Iron Guard would be allowed to come here under any reason. However, under Operation Paperclip, uh, people with erasers changed personnel files of those that they wanted to bring over. And that's how a completely incompetent doctor, he wasn't even a doctor, he was a medic in the German Army, uh, became a doctor in the U.S. Army and proceeded to harm quite a number of soldiers, to include myself. 1942, at the Wannsee Conference held in the Berlin suburb of Wannsee, senior German, Nazi German officials discussed the uh, implementation of what they call the final solution. 
1945, the provisional government of Palomiklos in Hungary agrees to an armistice with the Allies. Uh, also in 45, Germany begins the evacuation of 1.8 million people from East Prussia. That took them nearly two months to get done. 1949.4 program for economic aid to poor countries is announced by U.S. President Harry Truman. We've always been willing to have our own people go without to help somebody else. I've never understood that. 1961 on this date, John F. Kennedy is inaugurated the 35th President of the U.S., becoming the youngest man to be elected to that office and the first Catholic. 1972, Pakistan launches its nuclear weapons program a few weeks after its defeat in the Bangladesh Liberation War and the Indo-Pakistani War of 1971. 1973, Amalcar Cabral, leader of the independence movement in Guinea-Bissau and Cape Verde is assassinated in uh, Conakry, Guinea. Um, 1981, 20 minutes after Ronald Reagan is inaugurated as the 40th president, Iran uh, releases 52 American hostages. There were supposedly, um, Iran worked with uh, Reagan's people to uh, make sure that there was no release under Carter. 1986, Martin Luther King Jr. Day celebrated his fellow holiday for the first time. 2009, Barack Obama is inaugurated as the 44th president, becoming the first African-American president of the U.S., 2009, the protest movement in Iceland culminates as the 2009 Icelandic financial crisis protests start. 2018, a group of four or five gunmen attacked the Intercontinental Hotel in Kabul, Afghanistan. Sparks a 12-hour battle. The attack kills 40 people, 40 people and injures a lot of others. And in 2021, Joe, man, I'm wonderful Biden is inaugurated as the 46th president of the U.S. At 78, he becomes the oldest person ever inaugurated. Kamala Harris becomes the first female vice president of the U.S. She is known for laughing uproariously no matter how serious the topic is. Okay, we've been talking about all kinds of topics. Um... One of my favorite, of course, is UFOs and aliens. Um, you know, there have been a number of works that discussed uh, various um, alien species. You know, within the history and lore of Mesopotamia, which comprised parts of what's today are Syria, Iran, Kuwait, Iraq, and Turkey, the most legendary, revered, and Unearthly creatures were known as the Anunnaki, also known as the Shining Ones. These entities over the last few decades have collectively become an integral part of the ancient astronaut research. Hardly surprising since the, the word Anunnaki literally translates into English as those who from the heavens came to earth. And it's taken uh, from the name of the ancient god of the skies, Anu. Now, according to the story, uh, as I researched it, you know, when you tell folks you're getting ready to go on the air, you would think they would um, be a little quieter. Instead, here... That's a signal to do all kinds of things. Now, according to the story, Planet X, which was the home to, or Nibiru as it's also known, was the home to uh, Anu and his people. And due to a uh, planetary problem, they needed to be able to put a shield around their planet in order to uh, maintain an atmosphere. And 
they needed gold particles. And they discovered there was gold in, um, plenty of gold on the earth. So they sent an expedition. And these entities are the ones we know as the ancient gods. And Anu was their king. And on top of, of um, the Anunnaki thing, um, who landed in um, the Mesopotamia area, that area is acknowledged as one of the key places on the planet where human civilization began. Now this has all given rise to the idea that far from being the, the little deities many have taken to a been, they were visiting astronauts from a faraway planet, one who ruled and tried to bring stability and culture to the uh, primitive people of Earth, although specifically for their benefit rather than for ours, because they, uh, if they can control the, uh, there was, if they could control the primitive creatures and put them to work as worker drones, so to speak. That would allow them to uh, get a whole lot more accomplished than they could with just the uh, astronauts that came. It's also been suggested, uh, although the Anunnaki may have been depicted as definitively reptilian in appearance, many believe they were very human-like, but much taller, maybe even in a region of 8 to 12 feet tall. And it's this belief that's led to suggestions that the Anunnaki and their half-human offspring were the legendary giants of the Old Testament, the Nephilim, so to speak. It's also been suggested the Anunnaki were very much a, a, um, well, for lack of a better term, um, they were the denizens of the dark world. So whether they were actually gods, uh, visitors from a faraway planet, or a highly developed race of humans who lived underground, you can't deny that the Anunnaki left a profound mark on the people of Mesopotamia. The, uh, according to Wonder, uh, Lawrence Gardner, who I've read a lot of his material, he says every item of written and pictorial the destination confirms that the ancient Sumerians were absolutely sincere about the existence of the Anunnaki. And those such as Enki and Enlil and then uh, Kursag and Inania fulfilled earthly functions with uh, designated uh, community duties. They were patrons and they were founders and they were teachers and justices and they were... Um, medical personnel but last but not least they were kingmakers they were jointly and severally uh, venerated as archons and masters and but they were certainly not idols of religious worship as uh, the rich, realist, uh, the ritualistic gods of uh, subsequent culture became they were actually living breathing functioning entities uh, the word uh, eventually translated to become worship was avad, which means quite simply work. Anunnaki presence, um, of course, baffles historians. Language may confuse linguists and their advanced techniques may bewilder scientists, but to dismiss them as non-existent or as myth is absolutely ridiculous. Sumerians themselves said precisely who the Anunnaki were. And at no time in history or in science has there been any proof that they were not correct. Now, the, uh, the leader of the faction in the development of the theory, the Anunnaki Rach and extraterrestrials, was actually a man I got to know fairly well in California, Zacharias Hitchin. I interviewed him a number of times, and when I moved to New York, we had lunch. Over the course of several decades and a series of books, he formulated a 
scenario in relation to these legendary beings. He concluded the Anunnaki were the inhabitants of a vast faraway planet that has uh, been referred to as both Nibiru and Planet X, as I said earlier. Sitchin believed, and his belief was actually quite controversial, that Nibiru was actually a resident of our very own solar system in orbit around the sun. Uh, is uh, so nearly uh, infinite, um, infinitely gigantic, but it's uh, only viewable every few thousand years. In fact, I think he told me that it was uh, every 3,600 years it came through uh, the solar system. I also believe he had discovered the actual time cycle. I said the Mesopotamian biblical sources present strong evidence that uh, the orbital period of the 12th planet is 3,600 years. The number 3,600 is written in Sumerian as a large circle. And the epithet uh, for the planet, Shar, also meant the perfect circle or completed cycle. And also stood for the number 3,600. The identity of these three items, well, these three terms, planet, orbit, and 3600, couldn't be merely coincidence. He was quite certain that uh, it had a definite meaning. The rain periods, uh, which was a Sumerian text, give perfectly multiples of the 3600-year Shar. Conclusion that he came up with... Um, that these shars of rulership are related to the orbital period shar, which was 3,600 years. Now, Sitchin portrayed Nibiru as a planet very much on its last legs, one whose atmosphere was degrading, uh, which could have spelled the end for the Anunnaki had they not chosen to take certain actions that had major implications for the human race. Uh, they elected to hold off their demise by using and exploiting Earth and its people to ensure their own survival. It was gold that the Anunnaki needed to stabilize their their uh, situation. The plan was to flood their planet's atmosphere with gold dust, which kept the deadly ultraviolet uh, rays at bay. Swallow on Earth, according to Zachariah Sitchin, the Anunnaki chose to do two things. They embarked on a program to turn what amounted to the human race into a subservient slave-like species, and they began to uh, genetically manipulate us. In part, this was done through sophisticated science and technology, not unlike gene splicing techniques that we're now developing. And they also utilized a tried-and-true tested way that has worked since time immemorial. The fact that male Anunnaki were able to mate with human women suggests a common and more ancient lineage and connection between the two species. So they, uh, some of the so-called gods, uh, dallied with their uh, slave girls. So as to when all this took place, well, Sitchin was a little... Vague in certain areas. He took the view the initial Anunnaki journey to our world uh, occurred more than 400,000 years ago and resulted in the Anunnaki landing in certain parts of both Africa and the Middle East. Outposts were built and they set about their controversial process of uh, uh, mutating early Homo uh, erectus into what today is called Homo sapien long-term plan to create millions of human slaves all under the extraterrestrial thumb of their masters was well underway when a problem arose. Maybe unforeseen by the Anunnaki, and again, maybe it was foreseen, they're tinkering with the human race and their attempts to upgrade us, so to speak, and turn us into a robust, unquestioning slaves had a side effect. Human race grew quickly and spread far and wide to the point where we were eventually seen to, uh, as troublesome entities and danger becoming unmanageable by the Anunnaki. They saw an answer to the problem of the growing human infestation. About 10,500 B.C., according to Sitchin, the Beru passed perilously close to Earth. 
Its huge gravitational pull had an overwhelmingly disastrous effect on our planet to the extent that it led to huge worldwide floods, as described in numerous ancient uh, texts, such as the Bible and the Koran. It also killed millions of those humans that the Anunnaki become increasingly concerned about. And these uh, spared uh, the massive destruction. Those spared the massive destruction were then used in slavish style to help create the vast stone structures in the Middle East, South America, Central America, Mexico, India, and Pakistan, and to mine the gold that they they had to have in order to uh, rescue their own planet. You know, if you've never seen some of the um, very sophisticated structures built out in a jungle. You, you've missed a sight. When you come through hacking your way through impenetrable jungle and you're suddenly, uh, give you an example, you suddenly see the World Trade Center in front of you when you come into a clearing. Something is amiss, so to speak. Well, that's interesting. Even when I'm on the air, I have messages from afar. Okay. We were talking about Zachariah Sitchin and the Anunnaki. Uh, Sitchin I got to know after he appeared on my show several times in California. Uh, by phone, of course. And then when I moved to New York City, I made a point to look him up. Very intelligent gentleman, unfortunately. He's no longer with us. And he's a... Everyone that knew him that I talked to said he was a dedicated researcher. And he wanted to unravel every unanswered question at any material he studied. And his tendency for independent thinking... <clears throat> Uh, came to light when he was just a child when he made a an observation that he believed would be a translation error in the book of Genesis. The word Nephilim, <coughs> excuse me, has been translated as giants, but he was fairly certain that wasn't correct. And trying to get his teacher's assistance to confirm the accuracy of his observation, he was told, you don't question the Bible. After that, unable to abandon his belief that uh, the word, uh, when accurately translated, actually meant those who came down, he actually launched a quest to find evidence answering the question, who came down? And uh, his search for the answer took him from childhood to a uh, Excuse me, lifetime of a study and research. Now, previous scholars unable to fully interpret and accurately decipher what uh, he believed was the actual story of the ancient space travelers who was uh, told on the Sumerian clay tablets. Now, the scholars who first worked on those tablets did their writing at the end of the 19th century and in the first decade of the 20th century. Space age didn't develop for several decades after that. As a result, those early researchers and scholars had no context within which to understand the, the actual space-age material they were reading. And their first published work showed they thought the tablets were myth, legend, fairy tales, if you will. And Sitchin, on the other hand, was conversant with uh, modern space-age terminology and recognized it in the ancient records when he saw it. And because he taught himself to read Sumerian and the languages that derived from it, such as Akkadian, Babylonian, and ancient Hebrew, he actually had the language skills that allowed him to recognize the what you might call the truth embedded in the information he read. He firmly believed the tablet records weren't telling of mythical belief in the ancient people. New space age events emerged in modern times. He mastered cosmology, celestial mechanics, and even genetic science, which uh, actually provided the explanations that matched the true meanings. 
In essence, with modern science, he found the key to understand the actual meaning embedded in the ancient clay, t clay tablets. And they were telling the truth as they saw it. Now, th through his analysis, Sitchin discovered that uh, these stories were reports of what actually happened when an ancient civilization came to Earth using uh, highly advanced capability from their planetary travel. And the information he uncovered from his own reading and translation of the uh, cuneiform script told a fascinating story. These first settlers came in space vehicles to obtain gold needed to... Uh, save the atmosphere of their dying planet. Now, the, um, when I started researching the, uh, what became the first book I wrote, in the called Connection Series, UFOs, Secret Societies, Ancient Gods. I couldn't give you specifics, but I knew there were connections between those three major topics. And I followed much the same path as Sitchin did. And over time, because of my radio show, I met a lot of the uh, the major names in uh, UFO research. You know, one thing that Zachariah Sitchin said in one of my first interviews with him is to know the future, study the past. And... Uh, he firmly believed that the past informs what will happen in the uh, in the future. And when the, when he spoke on a number of panels, he was head and shoulders beyond anybody else. Um, and he had this ability to make intuitive jumps. For example, the, the determination that Nephilim didn't mean giant. And he ran into something that I've run into. When the giants in the field say it's so, you don't question. They are much more intelligent than you are. And that's why the dilettantes have taken over the UFO conference in Roswell. Because they're so much smarter than everybody else. Um, you know, Sitchin believed that uh, cosmic contact, if you will, had already taken place between uh, extraterrestrials and humans on the planet. Um, he said it had happened many thousands of years ago. He was sure it was about 450,000 years ago. Now, according to him, about 450,000 years ago, people from another planet arrived on Earth. And the Sumerians, one of the first races they came in contact with, are called on the Anunnaki, which in Sumerian means literally those who from heaven to Earth came. And they say they originally came for their own purposes in search of gold because they needed gold, not to make jewelry or something like that. Um... They needed it for the survival of their own planet as the atmosphere was dissipating. Only way they could protect their planet was to create a shield of gold particles to keep the, the heat in the atmosphere in. So the, according to the Sitchin, they landed a group of 50 who splashed down in the Persian Gulf and waded ashore. Um, there's a very long, detailed ancient text that uh, goes into quite some detail on this. The When he wrote his series, which is called the Earth Chronicles, um, 
he didn't, as he was very upfront about, he didn't discover these texts he talked about, but he gave them new meaning based upon a better understanding of what was being written about. He said, I don't claim anywhere that I went to one of the ancient sites like Mesopotamia and poked my stick in the ground and found the tablet and looked at it and He wasn't saying he discovered it. Every text and every depiction was discovered by somebody else. And they're all in well-known and prestigious museums. And these texts and these pictures were published, republished, translated, and transliterated by others, except that through his detailed knowledge of Sumerian, Akkadian, and early Hebrew and other languages, he was actually able to read them. And... Uh, judge their accuracy and it said just make no bones about it they are very very detailed the only difference between him and all the other scholars who are aware of him is that everyone else called it mythology he called it fact and anyone known to talk about the key he used to unlock the actual meaning in the ancient scripts he entered the ancient tablet evidence with a Mindset that saw the tablets as historical accounts, not mythology. And his research questions were fueled by the statements, what if all this information written on these ancient tablets is true? And all the stories related are true and not myth. What if all the information in all these ancient tablets really happened? What would be the outcome. Now, he emphasized his discussions were drawn from documentable evidence that fully explained the reality of prior contacts. And it consisted of the existence of a planet that comes into our solar system every 3,600 years and brings the inhabitants within reach of planet Earth. Now, these space travelers who call themselves Nephilim. They're basically the, the higher echelons of their society. And the Anunnaki, who are the rank and file, <coughs> excuse me, came to Earth searching for gold and originally settled the Earth in order to carry out their mission. Gold was needed on their home planet to prevent the destruction of their race. And they were willing to sacrifice their, their own lives to protect society as they knew it. The, um, you know, there are many legends among various races on this planet that talk about uh, many of the things related to what Sitchin discussed. The, uh, the two other the Don of ancient Ireland, for example, that uh, supposedly of the, the fairy race, their race thought to have originated in the northern mountains of the, of the world. They uh, demonstrated advanced magic skills and knowledge. They came south, landed, burned their ships to eliminate the idea of escape, and the indigenous people considered them invaders. These indigenous folks uh, viewed this race of newcomers in different ways. They didn't consider them gods. And their magic that was uh, referenced by almost everybody that came in contact with them might have been skills and knowledge that uh, demonstrated by the space travelers that Sitchin spoke about. Keep in mind, a lot of what we knew at that time um, had no technological basis. And I've often heard this, the saying that any technology, no matter how advanced, to a primitive people would be uh, no different than magic. I remember when I was in South America, we came in contact with some extremely primitive tribes. And one of my 
soldiers went to uh, light a cigarette with a cigarette lighter. Caused major chaos and confusion in the, the locals we were dealing with. They all took off for the bushes. He could spurt fire from his hand. And it took a while to uh, calm everybody back down. But as we were to these primitive tribesmen, so the Tuatha de Don of ancient Ireland were to the uh, locals they came in contact with. Now, apparently, Sitchin was, um, had long considered the, uh, the issues I just mentioned. And he, he ran tours. Unfortunately, by the time I came along, he was, um, not doing the tours anymore. Now, he was a highly intelligent 20th century man who probably for most of his life ever thought of himself as somebody who would shake up the understanding of Earth's inhabited history and enlarge the history of the origins of, of the human race, but he did exactly that. And if we... He went from a 10-year-old saying, what if everybody's wrong to an older man proving people were wrong? And that shakes up the system. Um, he was a man whose total body of work was orchestrated originally to add to the ancient symphony of information that slipped in the contemporary times from its resting place in the, the desert uh, tales or the mounds that dot the desert landscape of the Near East. And as an innately courteous man, he sought answers, courteous and curious man, he sought answers to different questions that rose from his probing research and study of works dealing with very ancient history. The, uh, when he followed his linguistically informed conviction that there was something beyond but everybody in the religious, religious arena, I can't talk, except it is the correct interpretation of the Nephilim, he found the corrected translation of those individuals was those, that, those who came down. Well, if they came down, where did they come down from? That led to his next question. You know, curiosity and motivation to find answers raised by the tablet records found in the tales and that's where the Sumerian tablets came from. Archaeologists were digging into those tales which in many cases were mounds of sand covering uh, ruined structures. But that prompted Sitchin to explore in detail the research of hundreds of published academic scholars, historical scholars and Sumerian scholars. And that's when he began to teach himself to read the Sumerian cuneiform script and the languages that came from it. He came to his study of Sumerian cuneiform script long after the language had been deciphered, translated, and transliterated. His research efforts led him to the museums, university collections, where the, those ancient clay tablets were either stored or under study. He learned to decipher the ancient scripts and when he did that, and remember, we're talking about a language that used symbols and not letters, he was astounded to find words and phrases that suggested modern space-age concepts. And that's when he began to step outside the box or traditional explanation. And he did that because none of the interpretations put forth by traditional scholars appeared to be the actual meanings that he found when he read those words or deciphered those pictures. And, you know, in Sitchin's own words, we can see the nature of the problem that confronted many scholars who studied the clay tablets. He said, The discovery and understanding of the ancient civilizations has been a process of continuous astonishment, of incredible realizations. The monuments of antiquity, pyramids, ziggurats, vast platforms, columned ruins, carved stones, but it remained enigmas, 
mute evidence to bygone events if it wasn't for the, the written word. The ancient monuments would have remained puzzles, their age uncertain, their creators obscure, and their purpose unclear. So we owe what we know to ancient scribes, a prolific and uh, meticulous lot who used monuments, artifacts, foundation stones, bricks, utensils, weapons of any conceivable material to, as inviting slates on which to write down names and record events. And above all, there were the enigmatic clay tablets, flattened pieces of, of uh, wet clay, some small enough to hold in the palm of the hand on which they embossed with a stylus, the symbols that formed the syllables, the words and the sentences. Then the tablet would be left to dry or put in a kiln to and kiln dry and a permanent record would be created. But you can have all the permanent records in the world. You can tell every secret of mankind, but if nobody knows how to read it and interpret it, it's useless. In place after place, the centers of commerce, of administration, and temples and palaces, and all art of the ancient Near East, there were both state as well as private archives full of these tablets. There were actual libraries where the tablets uh, were neatly arranged by subject, their contents uh, entitled, their scribed name, and their sequence numbered. Invariably, whenever they dealt with history or science or the gods, they were identified as copies of earlier tablets that had been written in the so-called old language. Astounded as the archaeologists were to uncover the, the grandeur of Assyria and Babylonia, they were even more puzzled of reading their inscriptions of the olden cities. And what was the, the meaning of the title, King of Sumer and Akkad, that the kings of these empires coveted so much? Original tablets unearthed evidence of a very advanced Mesopotamian empire that existed in the 3rd millennium B.C. They just couldn't understand this information within the context of, of their own society's development. The tablet records contained discussions of literature and art and science and politics, commerce, communications, all evidence of a very developed civilization existed long before the Babylonian Assyria. And that very idea was completely unbelievable. Sitchin said the scholars were incredulous. Could there have been urban centers, walls, cities, even before Sargon of Agai, even before 2500 B.C.? Sitchin's familiarity with enormous amounts of Galatia tablet writings allowed him to know the answer to this question was an emphatic yes. Some of those ancient artifacts made references that had generated a strong feeling of familiarity to Sitchin for what was emerging as modern space-age science. So the question became, how could that be? Tablets are at least 6,000 years old. Finally, he figured out why some of the material prompted his recognition, for lack of a better term. These ancient activities were similar to modern scientific theories that were just beginning to penetrate modern societal understandings. You know, we're, we're not the first, or even close to the first, civilization to cover this planet. And certainly we're not the, the oldest or the most advanced. Sitchin's feelings of familiarity prompted him to enlarge his frame of reference and actually started doing a what-if approach. Sumerian records suggested these very ancient people had advanced technology in use long before the civilizations of Akkad and Babylon. That the tablets was describing space-age capabilities couldn't have entered the minds of early scholars and perhaps couldn't even have influenced modern scholars in the years Sitchin was carrying out his research before he published those first books. Most importantly, the first scholars to decipher the tablet cuneiform scripts read the tablet material believing what that was being discussed was mytho uh, mythological legends, urban legends, if you will. Sitchin was able to unravel the full story of these ancient people's activities because he considered the tablet material to be actual uh, ancient prehistory. 
Now, he sent out a credible body of information that uh, builds on the description of the first phase of Earth settlement. And that information set the stage for his entire body of work. Using the tablets, he recounts that there was a time, according to the Sumerians, when civilized man was not yet on Earth, when animals are only wild and undomesticated and crops are not yet uh, cultivated. That long ago time they arrived on Earth, a group of 50 Anunnaki, led by a leader whose name was Inki. They came from their home planet of Nibiru, which is uh, defined as planet of the crossroad, of the crossing, and reached Earth, splashed down in the waters near the Persian Gulf. There was a text long known to scholars called the myth of Ea and the Earth, and it describes how that first group waded ashore, finding themselves in a marshland. Well, their first task they set themselves was to drain the swamp, clear the river channels, check out food sources. They began to make bricks from the clay of the soil and establish the first ever settlements on Earth. Named in the habitat Eridu, which meant home in the far away, or home away from home. Names the original of the name Earth in some of the oldest language. This was about 445 to 450,000 years ago. Obviously, on the face of it, this material does seem to be in the realm of fantasy. But in museums, Sitchin found thousands of clay tablets and pictograms uh, which document the text that uh, he had found. Obviously, on the uh, these cylinder seals, as they're called, produced a pictorial image that's used to eliminate uh, Sumerian tablet text. And taken together, the tablet material with the clay tablet pictograms led Sitchin to the side to put forth what's become a different, certainly provocative, and more accurate explanation of Earth's first settlements. After centuries, the Sumerians, and that name is translated as the created ones, became the scribes of the advanced space travelers, recording the information given to them by the Nephilim. Uh, that was the name the space travelers' leaders called themselves. Stories recorded by the Sumerians who pressed uniform symbols of the clay were told to them by what came to be known as the gods of olden times. In essence, the Sumerians are like modern typists who take down what they're given and use those dictated words to create a final transcript. And subsequent civilizations copied the original information and put these stories and poems and accounts into their own record, uh, languages. Samuel Kramer, an early Sumerian scholar, uh, believed the tablet information derived from the con contributions of the Sumerians themselves. And these contributions include the development and use of written script, kills for baking clay, which is used for building structures, perfection of culinary arts from wide varieties of plants and domesticated animals and the many first of civilized society, schools, law codes, a bicameral congress, the study of cosmology, astronomy, as well as the search for the the ever-elusive world peace and harmony. Sitchin now realized that it wasn't the Sumerians who developed the many civilizing features, but the Nephilim who gave human these uh, skills and knowledges as gifts. He leans on Kramer's work to enumerate the scope of the civilizing uh, features described in the tablets. Interestingly, even Kramer, who studied a plethora of tablets over many years, didn't recognize the modern space age implications held in these records. The, um, and along those lines, when I started researching for my first book, The Occult Connection, UFOs, Secret Societies, and Ancient Gods, I started with four basic questions. Are aliens abducting human females for sexual experiments? Has our government formed an alliance with alien forces? Are we being manipulated by secret societies? We've been infiltrated by human-looking fifth columnist. 
And those questions, the answers to those questions, uh, resulted in several books. When you call Connection Series, it explores all these questions, as well as the connection between abductions of humans by alleged alien spaceships, secret societies, and the human gods known to history as the Shining Ones. That's the Anunnaki. I mean, is it possible the ancient gods of our myths and legends walk among us today as aliens? Are they traded in their flying chariots for flying disc? Are they still manipulating our civilization the same as they did 50 centuries ago? Are we looking at a new period of direct rule by the gods? Uh, keep in mind that they don't have to sit on a golden throne and give orders. They can pull the strings of uh, humans who have been elected by their by other humans, to, uh, such as the president. You know, quite often, we see elected officials do the very thing they shouldn't do. Are they just ignorant? Or are they following someone else's plan? Well, when you get to the bottom of the, the bottom line, Quite often, you still don't have an answer. Um, for example, the pharaohs of ancient Egypt. Uh, you know, Egypt was overrun and captured by Alexander, and his empire divided up among his generals after his death. Who was giving the generals the orders? after they uh, rose to power. Uh, some of the decisions they made were just flat-ass dumb. But they may have fitted in with someone else's uh, agenda. And when you look at Alexander's uh, campaign in Egypt, he was going to go into India but his, uh, when he got ready to cross the main river to engage the uh, Indian army, they were buzzed by flying shields that stampeded his horses. You have to ask yourself. Uh, you know, history is written by the victors. Do we really know the full story of what took place? Um, in those far off um, times and far off lands maybe not we're going to be talking more about this in future shows but for today we run out of time we don't really have time to start a new segment so until Monday at the same time this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall show saying have a truly great evening